So a guy walks into a bar and says, hey, how can I help when I don't really know how to be of value to a community? When I don't know how to understand their struggles or even how to approach them sensitively, the bartender looks at him and says, well, what does he say? Welcome to the Serve Conscious Podcast, where we turn every encounter into an opportunity for growth and transformation. Here you can develop skills that not enough people are teaching, grow yourself professionally, or just live a more mindful, fulfilled, and service-oriented life. Thanks for listening. I look forward to talking about how this works. Before, I'm just going to talk about my awesome partner, the Institute for Organizational Mindfulness. They are a not-for-profit that is committed to raising awareness of the power of mindfulness applied to the organizational setting and also working with individuals and businesses to uh, more effectively develop their mission. So together, we're working to create change and up-level the culture of work life here in uh, the United States and worldwide. So uh, check them out and check out our partner page in the show notes. So a lot of these more urgent conversations that are happening around race right now should have been happening the whole time. Anyone who's paying attention would know that. And certainly would feel guilty for not having them the whole time. And now a lot of stuff is happening. That's always been happening that we now thankfully feel a lot more uh, accountable for as members of a predominantly white society. So hopefully we can process our guilt, get over it and get into the fray because this guilt causes obstacles to properly meeting the needs of this discussion. And your society and community and the needs of the black members of it. So that is what today's episode is going to hopefully address. Because if you've been serving mindfully, if you've been living mindfully in any way, and you've been somehow blissfully ignorant and oblivious to race issues because you don't think they are relevant to you or you don't think there are issues in and around your general perimeter, then, great, well, now you know there are. And now you're more likely to see them when they arise. And now you've been preparing for these conversations through your mindful life. If you've been living mindfully, you've been preparing yourself for these more challenging situations where you need to show up in the right way. It's kind of like in Karate Kid, where Mr. Miyagi had him doing these chores around the house, wax on, wax off, and it seemed not so significant, kind of banal, and Karate Kid's like, what's the value of this? And then it became clear once he was in a combat situation that he was actually learning combat movements the whole time. And not just that, but a certain mentality of humble attention to something like the daily chores that was the right, humble, open, calm mentality to bring to a combat-oriented situation. Now, don't take this analogy very far, because this situation of collective anger, social unrest, 
unhealed racial wounds is not one to meet with combat at all. And I'm hoping you were going to guess that I was going to say that, because if you've been learning anything about mindful service, it's that the only effective and enriching way to meet any situation is with compassion, understanding, and a willingness to help, and an even greater willingness to be aware of yourself through the process, because there are going to be nothing but obstacles to this popping up. Subtle obstacles, obstacles you never realized were there until you started paying attention to them. And in addressing this, which I've been hesitant to because I didn't want to demonstrate any ignorance in doing so, and take up unnecessary space and attention that should be occupied by a black voice, a representative of a black community uh, in this country or elsewhere that has similar issues. But in the meantime, I'm going to appeal to the listeners of this podcast to use mindful service principles to meet any call to racial healing that you encounter. And if you're using mindful service principles, you will know and hopefully see that these calls to heal and to meet something are going to come in unexpected places that you may normally miss and dismiss as the wrong one. No, this isn't the right situation. Our egos and minds, they'll give us a million reasons to not engage and take the easy way out. So for my... I guess you can say non-black listeners, ones that are, like me, learning how to properly navigate conversations of racial healing. This is going to be a list of things that I have learned not to do in such a situation because it is not helpful and also doesn't bring any healing or awareness to yourself either. Because in a empowered, mindful conversation, both people are getting healed, elevated, and brought more awareness through the interaction, just as they would in a mindful service exchange. So that's what I'm hoping to bring to non-black listeners. For black listeners, just tell me where I'm wrong. Because if I'm hoping to live at all what I preach then I know that I'm always in a state of learning and I'm always potentially wrong. And I have found that in any service situation, just like in any conversation, trying to defend being right never works. I may go into something thinking I have possibly a valid truth to offer, but I always go in, if I hope to gain anything at all, with the understanding that there could be a deeper truth that I'm missing or that nothing I'm saying at all is on the mark and that I need to reframe everything I think I know about the situation. This is the beginner's mind. I've talked about this before on the podcast. Anyone who is at all into Eastern practices, particularly Buddhist-informed ones, know the beginner's mind 
and the power of it, and also the difficulty of it a lot of the time, to come to a situation with pure, humble openness, ready to learn, and ready to let go of anything we thought we knew. This mindset has been an unbelievable ally for me in my mindful service journey, and it will continue to be as the challenges to evolve our thinking and act in ways that we maybe weren't expecting that we would or that we'd be capable of bringing any value to whatsoever. And lots and lots of Buddhist and otherwise spiritual communities have been reported and even criticized as not being able to really address uh, racial issues. And even if they could, they didn't propose that they could do anything about it or really take a proper position. And, and even if they're well-intentioned, they don't understand the layers of difficulty faced by these black communities enough to provide a space where they feel safe and whole and a sense that they are seen and understood. I think a lot of the times, I've certainly been part of communities like this, they tend to act like all social issues are certainly something its members can meet head on. And these practices that are done in the community will certainly give them the tools to do it. But as a community itself, we do not generally consider any social issues to be something that we're going to put energy in. The forcefulness that's often required for social change is not something that a spiritual community wants to dirty its hands with, and because it threatens their image of seeming above it all, above all of these trifling human conflicts, or open and accepting and loving of all, even the highly oppressive and exploitative power structures that rule the country. And any closer examination of the history of spiritual practice, Buddhism is just one example. Yogic traditions have a history of doing this as well. They were always challenging social structures that were impeding on the growth and flourishing of its people. There were periods where Buddhism and activism were inextricable from each other, and many communities have popped up in America and just modern society all throughout the world that have sought to uh, reclaim the socially conscious roots of these Eastern practices. And I guess you can say, get off the bench and get into the fight. And I just read in the book Radical Dharma, which is co-authored by uh, black Buddhist activists uh, like Angel Kyoto Williams and uh, Lama Rod Owens, that the largest population of entrants into uh, Zen and Buddhism are black and queer. This demographic is clearly finding a lot of value in Buddhist principles, but they're not going in neutral. <laughs> they're going in with the charge to change society from its extremely unconscious and unloving state 
into one that cares about everybody. And I'm actually thinking back to years ago when I was first kind of finding my way with Eastern practices and dabbling a bit with different communities. I started hanging out with a Vajrayana Buddhist community. And for those of you that don't know, uh, the Vajrayana is a thread of uh, Tibetan Buddhism that is like really esoteric, mystical, a lot more maybe shamanic in its practices. But not long after sitting with them did I begin to notice, wow, it's a bunch of old white people. (laughs) Not that there's anything inherently wrong with white people. I mean, it's a good percentage of the American population. You're going to go places and see a lot of white people a lot of the time. But I would say it was disproportionately white. And given how multicultural the country actually is. And there is something about institutions that are that lacking in diversity that feel like they're missing something. Not only does this give the community less sort of vibrancy and richness from all these different cultural backgrounds and stories and challenges that can be brought to the table of spiritual communities, but the teachings themselves from the teachers just felt sort of, you know, tepid and uninspiring to someone like me, of my mindset. I like transformation. I like growth. I like challenges. I like new possibilities. And yes, simple teachings about inner peace are very valuable. But when you have a room full of, I'm sorry to stereotype again, old white people that are maybe more interested in just kind of hanging out, doing crafts, gardening, and engaging in things that aren't overly challenging to their worldview, then the teachings and the dialogue in the room will be of that flavor, speaking in relevance to that kind of life, which is not so much of relevance to a black community seeking racial justice and transformation of power structures. So if I got bored with that community, I can only imagine what members of a black community would feel in a room like that. So the Zen and Buddhist communities that are forming now are looking at this sort of tendency to want to mind our own business and meditate and work on ourselves and not involve the rest of life in the process. Not take what we're cultivating into our communities and our governments in the form of transformative action and not do anything to ruffle anyone's feathers because now we're people of peace. This is looked at as a white heteronormative approach to spirituality. I'm not labeling it as such, but I have witnessed the exact same problems of this sort of really cozy, comfortable, and comfort-seeking approach to self-development in these communities, which actually motivated me to start the Serve Conscious podcast, where I am taking all of these principles and testing them in the world of service specifically, but making service an instrument of your self-development and spiritual practices is another way to break this stagnation 
that can potentially happen when you get into these really sort of self-involved practices like Buddhism and yoga. And this project was definitely forged from those frustrations with a certain amount of stagnation and lack of motivation to take action, create change, challenge yourself, be an agent of a better world through action, rather than just trying to maintain some false identity of being above it all. So uh, once again, I don't want to drift too far into territory where I think I know what I'm talking about and that I get it, what black people are experiencing. I'm just mentioning that I've identified what is probably a similar issue in conscious communities. And this issue actually is across all of privileged white culture right now. This addiction to comfort, to things remaining status quo. And now that everyone's come more awake to racial justice, these comfort-seeking practitioners of spirituality have definitely fallen even farther out of relevance for me. And I'm now ramping up my attention on these more uh, radical spiritual communities, uh, especially the black-led ones like Angel Kyoto Williams and her Zen community. As you can imagine, she and all of her peers are extremely outspoken right now, and I recommend following them. I'll be leaving links to their work in the show notes. And uh, a lot of people are doing the same. They're saying, it's not a time for me to speak right now, it's a time for me to listen. And that's exactly what you've always been cultivating if you've been on a mindful service journey. And this is now the world series in which (laughs) these skills will truly be tested in you. And don't worry, you have this capability. You've been doing it. This is now a time you should be grateful for because you have an opportunity to listen, understand, mutually heal, and offer help where you can to people that really need it. And you have an opportunity to do it wrong, wronger than you've ever done it. (laughs) And I know that doesn't sound attractive, but doing it wrong doesn't mean you fail. It just means you are learning more through the process of doing it. The opportunity to be wrong is such an unbelievable blessing in the spiritual journey. If you are at all living in accordance with a certain beginner's mindset and engaging fully in the process of wrongness will ultimately nurture your inner wisdom such that you come out the other side bigger, fuller, stronger, and more aware than you ever could have hoped. And the world you're co-creating through whatever it is you do in your life, however you serve, however you live, is going to be all the more beautiful. And trust me, if you're white, you want this. I can't imagine you wanting the reality you've been living in the whole time before this one. What do I mean by this? I mean the reality where you're unable to have these conversations because they're too upsetting, they're too triggering for you, and they leave you feeling helpless and unnecessarily blamed and all of these things that come up. These are things that the black community is always criticizing the white community for doing, for being unable to show up to the conversation because of a whole lattice work 
of guilt and shame and blockages and self-righteousness that makes it even more frustrating for them, for the black community that is inviting you to participate in a healing process. It might not look as friendly. It might even look hostile, but it's always an invitation to heal. And if you truly have the tools of mindful service, you'll be able to meet that. That invitation will not seem as threatening as you may think it is. Your ego will tell you it's threatening because it believes that your identity and your sense of self and wholeness and continuity and all the good things about yourself you were hoping to believe are being threatened by this conversation. And there are layers and layers and layers of fears about yourself that can potentially be revealed by these conversations. Fears that you are a deficient, problematic person. But that is not true. You are not that. You are just somebody that needs greater healing and awareness in their life. Just like all of us. Just like me. I talk a good game. I get met with so many inner obstacles when confronted with the conversation of racial justice. So... In this episode, wow, it's taken me a long time to unfold this. It is a complex issue. Uh, In this episode, we're going to talk about the obstacles that may come up when these situations are brought about and what I'm doing to avoid the usual pitfalls of unconscious communication. Communication that is crushed by my patterns and biases and my own unresolved wounds. So I made a list of like best practices or things to remember to do or avoid doing or just to be aware of in order to have maximally fluid and healing discussion. And by discussion, I don't mean like debate. Like it doesn't mean sitting down and hashing out like social policies with people. I mean situations where feelings are coming up about something that could be very, very small on the surface and easily dismissed or easily taken personally or taken the wrong way. And we're going to look at how to meet these little day-to-day ways that we might grind against each other unnecessarily and fail to see each other unnecessarily. And of course, this mindset can and must absolutely be applied to having really big discussions about social policy and all of the large, broad-spectrum change that needs to happen. But in no way is this episode or episodes to follow going to be at all talking about what specifically needs to happen or change in society. It's going to be talking about basically how I plan to be a better communicator and how I will invite you to do the same. All I can do here is stick to my strengths, what I know, what I've been studying, what I've been cultivating, and that is how to have a more effective mindset in order to meet challenging situations and discussions, and how to better relate to others, including especially yourself. I mean, that's really what's at stake here, as it concerns all of the racial issues that are being surfaced. How are we relating to each other? Is it right? Is it good? Is it loving? Is it real? Is it clear? Is it open? Is it understanding? Is it healing? Is it elevating? That's what you need to be thinking about in every encounter. 
not whether or not you are right, not whether or not you have a good argument or you made your point well, not whether or not you properly defended your own rightness or goodness, but how much there was an exchange of healing. It's as simple as that. All right, so I'm going to leave this one here, and in the next episode, we're going to be talking about these best practices of communication. All right, guys, thanks for listening. I am open to any feedback on areas that I'm missing the mark or areas that I omitted speaking about that I should definitely shed some light on. So please let me know. Uh, Reach out to me over email or social media. I'm always around. All right, thanks for listening. Check out the uh, website, www.surfconscious.com for more free content. But first and foremost, check out Voices of the Black Community, of which I am leaving links in the show notes.